Hello, welcome to another episode of 4 is the Most Accurate Podcast. I'm your host, John Paulson. Uh, John Daigle is trekking through the wilderness somewhere around Banff, Canada, I think. So he'll be back next week for our wide receiver ranking summit. Ranking summit. So I thought this would be a great opportunity to have one of my favorite guests on the podcast to do our annual deep dive into the wide receiver position. He is Matt Harmon of Yahoo Sports and Yahoo Fantasy. Uh, he has his own website. Reception Perception, which you, have, you haven't checked it out, be sure to check it out. Uh, he charts route running to excruciating detail. I think that's a fair assessment, Matt. If you want to uh, take your receiver knowledge to the next level, be sure to subscribe to his site and support his work. It's excellent. You can also find him on Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. Welcome back, Matt. John, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. You know, yeah, excruciating detail is probably the best way to describe it. You know, um, I, I think... It's been interesting since I, um, you know, started my own site, you know, went away from the old footballers uh, draft kit deal that I had there and, and, you know, uh, no, no hard feelings, by the way, you know, no, no, uh, no negativity there. Um, But, you know, since I went independent with my own site, I think um, it's been like a bit of a mixed experience, uh, you know, with like how familiar are people really with, with what I do? You know, I had somebody today uh, DM the reception perception account and ask me, where do you get this data from? You know, where, like, cause I see like routes run or charted, you know, PFF, but I don't see like open rate, you know, or anything available through like next. I'm like, but me, that's, that's where I'm getting it from is, is uh, I'm, I'm charting it all manually by hand. So <laughs> I think it's funny. I mean, I'm no shade to anybody. You know, there's uh, people are new to the, to the work and stuff like that. So it is just funny that, yeah, excruciating detail certainly is, is the way to describe what, what I, what I do with reception perception. I am the source is what you said. I am the source. Yeah. The source yeah, is yeah. me. You're looking at him. You're talking to him. <laughs> Yeah, charting is something that I don't think a lot of casual fantasy players can really get their head around the level of detail you're going into on each of those plays and having to sort of figure everything out. But um, time is a little tight today. I usually ask uh, Matt, I mean, this is probably your fourth or fifth appearance on the podcast. I usually ask uh, Matt to give listeners uh, another overview of reception perception methodology, but uh, we're, we're a little tight on time today. We want to get to a lot of players uh, so for those interested, I'll put a link in the show notes uh, to one of Matt's previous uh, appearances uh, where he describes his process so he doesn't have to go through the whole thing uh, again right now. So if you're interested in that, check out the show notes. Uh, let's just jump right in and start talking about a few players who are particularly uh, intriguing uh, this season. Uh, one note on all this is I'll be mentioning my quote-unquote one-number rankings where I compile Matt's reception perception data into one number so I can quickly see uh, how well that player did in Matt's charting in any particular year. I don't really publish this, these numbers because it's just out of respect for Matt's work. I want you to sign up for his site and support it. Um, but it's a good reference for this discussion. So I will mention that a bit in the podcast. Uh, and I also use it to inform my own rankings on the site and projections on the site. So the first section here, uh, I would call it, uh, are these players ready for prime time? And these players really improved year over year, looking at 2020 to 2021 data. And I know you love this first player and are really high on him heading into uh, the season. Michael Pittman, he has the wide receiver 14 ADP. He moved from 30th in the one number rankings up to 7th in 2021. I will just go through my reason I'm really, I moved him up to 10 uh, recently. Uh, just looking at the volume of this Colts offense, 30.6 pass attempts last year. 
but they averaged 34.5 with Philip Rivers at quarterback in 2020, 40.3 with Andrew Luck in 2018. Matt Ryan has averaged 32.9 pass attempts, 39.1 and 41.1 pass attempts in his past three seasons. So if they do even open up the passing game even a little bit, it's really going to help Michael Pittman. And I believe you think that he's ready for prime time. Yes, uh, absolutely. And and by the way, to give some credit to your one number rankings, I believe this year it's uh, Cooper Cup number one, Devontae Adams number two. So good, good. You know, I like to see if metrics pass the sniff test, and and that's a good sniff test right there. Those are the two best receivers in the one number reception perception rankings. Uh, no, yeah, Michael Pittman. I mean, I'm so high on this player. You mentioned it last year. Like there were some good signals in his reception perception profile, and I was very bullish on him last year. Um, you know, he cre- he cleared that like 70% success rate versus man coverage number that we want to see from like our outside perimeter receivers. Um, but there were still some holes in the profile. You know, he was he was injured obviously last year or his rookie season, you know, didn't play like a complete year. He he got off track early, especially with the injury, too. It didn't really get integrated in the offense until later in the year. But then in 2021, I mean, obviously puts up pretty decent numbers with a bad quarterback in Carson Wentz. I know that like some of his ancillary metrics look pretty decent or even some of his raw stats look decent, like touchdown interception ratio. But, you know, Carson Wentz is not an above average quarterback, but Frank Reich did elevate him at least to get him to average. Now, Matt Ryan, I think, is a huge upgrade. Uh, on Carson Wentz at this point I saw Graham Barfield and I quote tweeted these as well if people want to just go to my Twitter feed easily find it you know posted some accuracy numbers the difference between these two guys I think it's a huge upgrade and Michael Pittman as a pure individual talent I think is still underrated by by folks out there because I think he really is ready not just for prime time I think he's ready to ascend to like alpha wide receiver status like a potential not just top 10 fantasy receiver but I I could see him being considered widely as like a top 10 receiver in like that AJ Brown conversation by the end of this coming year because he's just that good man I mean 96 percentile success rate versus press coverage like I said I I expected good things last year he exceeded even my expectations and I think there are a couple of different players I compare him to in his reception perception profile one I I sort of think coming into the NFL I thought he was very like Allen Robinson ish like oh the old Allen Robinson days when he was like a big time vertical threat down the field I think he still has a lot of that like he's great on 50 50 balls one of the best contested catch rates from last year I think he can win in that style but I also think like the way he moves so fluidly and gets separation on routes like the slant the dig the curl is very Keenan Allen-esque like I think how Allen especially not the last couple of years, but more so, you know, the Philip Rivers days would just thump defenses on those short in-breaking routes, the intermediate routes. And I got that Michael Pittman has a lot of that in his game too. So really, I think he's just a complete player. Don't think he has really like a glaring flaw in his game. And he just got like a, a pretty decent quarterback upgrade. I think he just checks so many boxes for, I wouldn't call him like a breakout candidate, but yeah, sort of ready for prime time. It's a great way to describe it. He, he's ready to take that next step into true number one wide receiver territory. Yeah, and part of the purpose of this pod, and I think if you go back and listen to the previous episodes, we talk about a lot of players, but we also are highlighting breakout players that are, are going coming from not nowhere, but you know maybe five, six, seven, eight hundred yards. This is a player, and this is an interesting exercise to partake in because he's going in the third round, and if you can find a guy in the third round that's going to end up as a wide receiver one, then you don't have to use your first or second round pick on the receiver position. You can grab you know, grab a couple of running backs that you know are going to see 20, 25 touches a game and then use your third round pick on a Michael Pittman and you're going to end up with somebody that might crack the top 10 and and kind of offset 
you know, the Jamar Chases, the Justin Jeffersons of the world that uh, the zero RB folks like to draft in the first round. So that's that's what we're looking for is value. And uh, in this case, it's value. Maybe later it's breakout. Uh, another player who I think you're pretty high on, and I'm certainly bullish on him as well, uh, C.D. Lamb. He's the wide receiver six, so people are already on him because of the Amari uh, Cooper leaving. Uh, but he he really improved his route running too. It appears twenty uh, second last year, eighth this year in the one number rankings. Love to see this out of Pittman and Lamb, these young players making that sort of leap in their second season uh, in, in your route running charting. Uh, it's just great to see. He saw 111, 120 targets in his first two seasons. He's one of 32 receivers in the Super Bowl era to gain at least 2,000 uh, combined receiving yards in his first two seasons. And I think it's, you know, his, his upside, the ceiling is just crazy because of the fact that Cooper left 104 targets and Cedric Wilson left as well, 61 targets. So Dak Prescott's a pretty good quarterback. This offense uh, is probably going to throw the ball a little bit more if that defense regresses at all. Uh, talk about Lamb a little bit. Yeah, I think that really there's not a lot of holes to poke in CD Lamb's like profile this year. Um, you mentioned it, like he's tethered to a good quarterback. Like if you if you think Dak Prescott's like a bad quarterback, or like, you're not even re- really living in reality, right? Like he's a good quarterback. That's check one box. Like he's gonna have a dominant target share in this offense. Um, and Dallas plays pretty fast. They play with the pretty decent pace, like historically the last few years, like they, they, they could, they could be a very pass heavy offense this year. And I don't think anybody would blink an eye. And they'll really, the last question is just how good is CD lamb. CD lamb is really, really, really good. Um, and I think that, you know, people disc people discount the fact that he's played the, in his first two years with a lot of really good players around him. You know, Amari Cooper, I think is a little overrated. I don't think he's the number one receiver, but he's a guy that is going to earn like 100 plus targets every single year, take it to the bank, like at a bare minimum. You know, Michael Gallup is still a really, I think, underrated player who's a good X receiver who brings a lot of value to that offense, and they're going to miss him while he's gone. Then you still get CeeDee Lamb as an individual talent. So, like, I don't really care about his production over the first couple of years, like, that it hasn't reached, like, his dynasty asking price or whatever. Because when you just isolate him as an individual player, like, these receivers that clear 75% success rate versus man coverage, check for CeeDee Lamb last year, and 80% success rate versus zone, like, these are some of the best receivers in the league. Like, guys that do that on a consistent basis, and obviously we have, like, a sample of just a couple of years here with with CeeDee Lamb, they don't fail like they go on to become great receivers in the NFL and I think that's what we're looking at with CeeDee Lamb last year like he took that next step that we want to see 91st percentile success rate versus man 82nd percentile against press like I think he can win in all areas all levels of the field really the thing uh, to me John is like I I just want to see Dallas kind of settle on a role for him they've kind of like moved him between outside and slot based on like who other guys are like are who's playing or whatever enough with that already like I think he just needs to go into Amari Cooper's vacated flanker position and I think he'll be a huge upgrade there and I think he can you know move around a little bit pre-snap and use him inside sometimes that's great but I think they just kind of need to settle on a plan with him and I think that like they will. Would you be, uh, John, would you be shocked at all if CeeDee Lamb leads the NFL in targets this year? I, I know it's like he's not a favorite, you know, to do based on the odds, but I wouldn't be surprised if he did. I believe that we interacted on Twitter uh, regarding that. There was some odds out for uh, league league in uh, receiving yards. And I thought, I mean, CeeDee Lamb was down the list and I pretty good. Like you could get pretty good odds on that. And I believe you chimed in as well saying that that looked like, you know, pretty good. I mean, 
like you don't want to go with the chalk in that situation and you're looking for a guy who has some of the, the you know the environmental situations that really point to a big yardage season plus he's got the talent so yeah i wouldn't be surprised at all if he ended up leading the league and that's, that's what we're looking for here is of guys that have gone maybe a thousand eleven hundred and are maybe ready to make that leap to 15 1600 yards receiving or more uh but unfortunately he's going in the early second round so it's a little bit tougher to get him um Maybe in the middle of the second round, you might be able to get him at value. Uh, another player I wanted to mention who improved, uh, he went from 40th to 28th in your one number rankings or my one number rankings for reception perception, uh, Darnell Mooney. Uh, he's the wide receiver, 28. He had 140 targets last year, and that was with Allen Robinson on the team. I don't know what his ceiling is for targets in this offense, given the fact that they let Robinson walk. They replaced him with a 25-year-old rookie, uh, Byron Pringle, they just traded for Nikhil Harry. Uh, I I just feel like he his volume is maybe the safest of a lot of these guys going you know in the in the middle rounds. I mean, it's really Mooney has got some upside too. What do you think of him as a route runner? Does he does he have that upside to go 12, 13, 1400 yards and have maybe you know six touchdowns on top of it? Yeah, I don't think that Darnell Mooney is like your traditional number one receiver. Like I think in an ideal situation, he'd probably be a really, you know, a nice two or an awesome number three. Uh, probably I think he's like a number two receiver in an ideal situation. That's probably what you would you would want. Um, but I think he's a good player, right? Like I, I think he shows the ability to win down the field. I think he shows the ability to win on like short crossing routes and stuff like that. You know, some intermediate stuff too, like digs, curls, Um I think the thing with him and, and you see this, like if you go to the website and you look at um, Alan Robinson's route percentage chart and Darnell Mooney's route percentage chart, it's just like so many slants, so many curls, these little flat routes. And this is for two guys like Darnell Mooney, obviously has, he's got speed. He's got juice to win downfield. Alan Robinson's been like a vertical ball winner throughout his, his career. Even if he wasn't playing his best ball last year, like you'd still in an ideal world, like want to, use a guy like Justin Fields, who's a big game hunter, who reads it deep, like wants to throw vertically, but the Bears offense just totally broken last year. Now this year, I think Darnell Mooney's like ability to win downfield on these like play action heavy attempts. Like if they bring over some of that, like Packers philosophy with Luke Getzey as the offensive coordinator, I think it's a really nice fit for a player like Darnell Mooney. Like I think it's tough when you, um, like when you're on the clock and, you know, there are guys that I, I like the talent more uh, than Darnell Mooney, but I mean, the volume projection is just so awesome for Mooney. So I don't really fault anyone for taking him at ADP. And I think he's got a lot of, I think he's got ability. Like he's not just a guy that like he stinks and we're penciling in a ton of target, like targets for him. I don't know that he has like, like, I, I don't think he has like number one wide receiver upside necessarily, but I think he he could be used like a number one wide receiver this year. Yeah, and you might be able to get him, you know, wide receiver 28, and he finishes in the wide receiver two rank somewhere at 20 or 18 or 16. That's good value uh, just based on volume alone. I mean, he's going around, he's going in between Juju Smith-Schuster and Amon Ross St. Brown. You know, Rashad Bateman, I know you love him. He's going a couple spots ahead of him. It's just the volume is, we're going to talk about Bateman here in a minute, so let me not get too far into that. Uh, Debo Samuel, I just want to mention two other players. I don't need you to comment on them. I know you like them. Uh, but Debo, Debo Samuel uh, went from 40th to 15th in the one-number ranking, so he really improved his numbers. And T. Higgins went from 36th to 23rd. Just young guys that you see are working on their craft and getting better at route running. So here's a, a group of guys that uh, I think you have – you know, varying opinions on, but I think you like them all in general, but I want to highlight them based on their ADP 
and a situation like DJ Moore. So he's wide receiver 15 now in, in ADP. Uh, he's 31st in your one number rankings. He actually slipped a little bit after improving quite a bit from the, from 2019 to 2020. Uh, but looking at DJ Moore, it's him and Terry McLaurin, who we're going to talk about in a minute. We, we've been wanting them to be unlocked. We want, we want a, a quarterback and we're not getting exactly what we want, but we're getting, an, <laughs> an, we're getting an improvement because we're going from Sam Darnold and company 3,500 yards, 3,573, 14 touchdowns total last year. So, Moore has had, you know, only four touchdowns for three straight seasons, I believe. And Mayfield's career averages, if you look at just his career numbers uh, on a per-game basis, they equate to 4,002 yards. That would be a 12% increase in yardage and 26.1 touchdowns. That's an 86% increase from the uh, 14 touchdowns that Sam Darnold and company threw last, uh, last year. So I think it's wheels up for more. Do you agree? I think so. Um, I think Baker Mayfield is not quite like – I've said all off season that I'm not trying to um, do the same thing with Terry McLaurin that I've done with Allen Robinson in the past being like, you know, Nick Foles, Andy Dalton, like this is the best quarterback he's ever played with. You know, even if it's factually true, like we, we know that didn't necessarily get us a lot um, in, in several seasons. Uh, you know, guys like Carson Wentz, like Carson Wentz is probably through you through gritted, gritted teeth. You could say Carson Wentz is the best quarterback that Terry McLaurin's ever played with, but how much juice are you going to squeeze out of that lemon? Um, now I think with Baker Mayfield, like Baker Mayfield's better than Carson Wentz. Like Baker Mayfield, I think is probably an average starter, like, or a really great backup. So I think you can at least be relatively enthusiastic that like DJ Moore is getting a a pretty good quarterback upgrade here. Uh, and I, I really like DJ Moore as a player. Like you mentioned, there were some parts of um, some parts of his numbers that slipped last year. I also think just playing in such a dysfunctional environment, you know, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not high on, on like the Panthers ecosystem at all. Uh, but I, I still think what he, that he's the fact he's a 70.5% success rate versus man coverage last year. Like that's what we want to see again from an outside perimeter receiver. Um, I just wished like, I wish the Panthers would use DJ Moore a little more creatively. Like I wish they would line him up inside more, but they pretty much just run him out as a pure X receiver. Don't give him a lot of opportunities to break, um, break tackles over the middle of the field, stuff like that. I think DJ Moore's a great player. Um, I just think like quarterback play hasn't been the only thing that's like, going against him at, at this point. Like some of it has been at times, like he's been a raw route runner. He's been a raw technician, but I think he's pretty much there. I think he's pretty much established. Um, I also just think that this current coaching staff, like with Matt rule. And even when Joe Brady was there, they just like kind of pigeonholed him into this like traditional number one X receiver role. And I think he can win in that environment, but I think he'd almost be better served, you know, being used in not like the running back stuff that Debo Samuel does, but some of like the, you know, move around pre-snap be be the flanker, like just run a ton of dig routes, slant routes, crossing routes, stuff like that. Um, and, and more has never unfortunately really been used that way. And they have Ben McAdoo now at OC, so we'll see if anything changes. At least there's a potential for change with the new offensive coordinator there. Since you mentioned him, let's jump ahead to Terry McLaurin, and then we'll go back and talk about my favorite receiver, Deontay Johnson. Uh, <laughs> Terry McLaurin, uh, and I wanted to just comment on your – like we're going from the hodgepodge of quarterbacks that he had to Carson Wentz. And so the, what I want to say about that is that Wentz had the 12th highest adjusted completion percentage on deep balls 
uh, per PFF. So the one thing he did really well last year was throw the deep ball. Heineke last year was 33rd in that metric. And you just look at the players that McLaurin has had throw to him. He's received the most targets from Taylor Heineke, 123, Dwayne Haskins, 98, and Case Keenum for 41. And Keenum was the best of the bunch. And he, with, with, uh, with Keenum, McLaurin averaged 10.6 yards per target. Keenum had 142.9 quarterback rating when targeting Terry McLaurin. So what I'm getting at is that if Wentz can be as good as Case Keenum, which I don't know, but <laughs> what am I even saying? This question I mean, what are you? What are you? <laughs> <laughs> it's tough. I mean, it's if, a tough thing to say. <laughs> if if Wentz can be mediocre uh, or below average, even it's going to be better than what McLaurin has seen basically over the entirety of his career. And he's already cracked a thousand yards twice. And what what the question is about McLaurin, he's going pick 39, 40. So he's a fourth round receiver and we love his route running. He signed the big contract and now they have a guy who can at least hit him deep. Um, I I feel like this is an upgrade for McLaurin, maybe not as big an upgrade as it was for DJ Moore in Carolina, but I think this is an upgrade. I think it's an upgrade um, to kind of put Terry McLaurin's, 2021 season into context i think it's the perfect way to say it last year he was fifth among receivers sampled for reception perception and success rate versus man coverage but still second in percentage of targets that were a contested catch opportunity like (laughs) that's like the guy gets open at an unbelievably high rate and still gets thrown into high degree of difficulty situations over and over and over again, especially with Taylor, you know, and shout out to the pride of ODU, uh, ODU's finest Taylor Heineke, but my God, like, yeah, you, the guy cannot push the ball down the field, cannot really push the ball outside the numbers. Like he's a very fearless player, all that stuff. That's cool. But like, yeah, you're right. I think Carson Wentz can at least push it downfield. will be aggressive sometimes to a fault, but mo- no, most times to a fault is too aggressive. Um, it's an upgrade in that way for Terry McLaurin, who is just a full-blown stud. Like, I think – I feel the same way about Terry McLaurin as I did about Stefan Diggs in, like, 2017, 2018 in his reception perception when he was, like, same sort of way that Terry McLaurin was, like, top five. Even number one, he was one year in success rate versus man coverage. Like, guy gets open at every single level. If he just ever found himself to an ecosystem where he was going to, you know – be with a great quarterback in a, in a great offensive environment, I think he would push to be like a top five fantasy receiver like Stefan Diggs did in 2020. And I don't, we're still not in that situation, but it's probably at least a little bit. It's, and, and here's the thing too, John, like not only is the quarterback better, sort of most likely, the surrounding talent, <laughs> it's so bad. Sort of like the surrounding talent is better for Terry McLaurin too. And I think that matters a lot. Um, I don't often, you know, cite the double coverage numbers because I think they're lower than most people would probably assume. But Terry McLaurin was doubled on 50% of his routes last year. Like he's a guy that would like defensive attention was all over him because it sometimes it was like Terry McLaurin and the preseason boys out there. But like Jahan Dotson is a legit slot receiver prospect, I think. Curtis Samuel back healthy this year. I still like Curtis Samuel a lot. Like there are actually some other players defenses will have to care about other than just Terry McLaurin. I agree. I think and he's wide receiver 19 right now. And I think that's fourth round. You have a chance. He has a chance for wide receiver one numbers. Uh, I think a pretty decent chance. We know the talents there uh, and the targets will be there as well. So go back to Deontay Johnson here. I, this is a weird situation for, for me to see this because I thought he was going to be a perennial top 10, top 12 ADP guy after 
the, the number like his last season was wide receiver eight uh the year before he was wide receiver 20 so he was ascending playing with the uh playing with ben roethlisberger i'll just keep my adjectives <laughs> minimum uh it wasn't like look, so we have so this is another player here. We have a quarterback change, and this one you I think people are thinking that's going to be for the worse. And I think you do have a lot of pass attempts with Ben Roethlisberger. He's going to check into a lot of pass attempts, which you know boosts the volume of the passing attack. But what he threw for was not is not irreplaceable. Thirty seven hundred yards, twenty two touchdowns. He had a six point two yards per attempt. Uh, and then if you look at his fantasy points per pass attempt, is one po- that he offered to his receivers, it was 1.22 per pass attempt over the last three years on average. Mitch Trubisky, it looks like he's going to start, and they don't really sound like they have plans to start Kenny Pickett as a rookie, so we'll see how long that lasts. But um, Trubisky is supposed to start. He was at 1.35, 1.12, 1.41 fantasy points per pass attempt that he offered to his receivers over the last three years. So what Trubisky has been doing has been better than what Roethlisberger has been doing. So the, the question is, are we going to see a big downgrade in the volume, which we might, they might go really heavy with Najee Harris. But the thing about Deontay Johnson is that he gets open at will and quarterbacks tend to like that. So he's going wide receiver 20. Uh, I'm looking at him. He's got Terry McLaurin and Gabriel Davis ahead of him than Deontay Johnson. So like you could go into the fourth round and know you're going to get a McLaurin or a Deontay Johnson, I think that's a pretty powerful plan to start your your draft. Yeah, the situation is questionable, obviously. Like, we don't really know how good Trubisky's going to be in this environment. We don't know how good Kenny Pickett's going to be in the NFL, period. Um, but I would – I mean – I was just on the established run podcast with uh, Evan Silva and Adam Levitan and like, you know, just making the argument that I, I and you know, Evan even says like, I, I'm not even sure that I had considered this idea, but like, I, in my opinion, Ben Roethlisberger is the one who's been holding back Deontay Johnson. Like I would argue that his yards per target, like his, uh, his average depth of target is a, those are Ben Roethlisberger stats, not Deontay Johnson stats. I mean, like, you just look at look at Deontay Johnson's reception perception, 98th percentile success rate versus zone coverage, 91st percentile success rate versus man coverage. Like, and you look at the route percentage charts, like I think people would expect it just to be all little cutesy tiny routes, but it's not necessarily. Like I've I posted this on Twitter too. Like Claypool's uh, Chase Claypool's route percentage chart, Deontay Johnson's route percentage chart, like it's about the same. One guy gets targets because he's always open, like because he consistently gets open quickly. He beats press coverage as a pure X receiver, like in the most difficult receiver role that you can ask of a guy. And yeah, he earns a lot of short targets because the quarterback can't throw deep, period. So I think that Deontay Johnson's raw target totals probably come down. I will project him for fewer targets than he had last year, but I'm totally comfortable kicking up his yards per catch, like his, his catch rate, stuff like that. Um, like I think the efficiency on the targets might be better, even if the the targets overall come down and, and you're not paying for last year's targets either. Like you mentioned at his ADP. So I think Deontay Johnson, like people have this idea that he is a product of Ben Roethlisberger. He is a product of like, you know, th- th- that, that sort of broken offense that the Steelers have run the last couple of years. Uh, I disagree. Like, I think he's a really, really good player. Like, and and I think that he will show that this year. And I think the Steelers kind of want to see him show it this year too, which is why they haven't given him that monster extension either. Yeah, usually when when we have Matt on, uh, I go through the list of players that broke out after he charted him highly in reception perception is the reason I'm so much so behind his work. Uh, 
you know, Tyree Kill was going in the fifth round, but you recognize this is way back when uh, you recognize that he was a lot better route runner than people thought. It wasn't just a speed guy. Tyler Lockett, it took a few years for his breakout to happen, but it happened and it happened in a big way. And then last year, uh, you know, Deontay Johnson was number one in the, in the one ranking uh, ranks and one number rankings. And he ended up, you know, he was going later than wide receiver eight. He finished wide receiver eight. So he predicts these breakouts before they happen. If you could find people that are good route runners that are going to see an increase in volume, uh, you have your breakouts in your draft, and it's fantastic. So that's one reason, one of the many reasons I follow Matt's work. Uh, Allen Robinson is the other player getting a quarterback change, and this one is significant. Significant. Yes. Uh, and just <laughs> this a, one really the, moves the needle. We don't have to be like, I mean, sort of, kind of. Like, it's definitely a big upgrade. <laughs> we don't have to tell ourselves a story about this one. The ecosystem no, yeah. with the Rams is so much better than the, the Bears. Uh, you know, Justin Fields may turn into a really good quarterback, but the way things were going last year, not great for Allen Robinson. He's going to take over the Robert Woods, Odell Beckham role for the Rams. Woods was the wide receiver 12 through week nine. People forget this when he tore his ACL. So he was posting low end wide receiver one numbers just was overshadowed by uh, Cooper Cup. Uh, Cooper Cup obviously had the one of the greatest seasons in all time for a receiver. Uh, Beckham took over in week 12 uh, after the trade and was the wide receiver 21 down the stretch fantasy-wise. So when their numbers are averaged and prorated, it equates to 195 fantasy points, which is about what Michael Pittman scored last year as the wide receiver 15. And Robinson is going, where is he going? Wide receiver 23. So I, I think he's a good value. So the question I think for fantasy owners out there, fantasy managers, is that, is Robinson still the same player or at least 95% of the player that he was two or three years ago when he was really excelling in your uh, charting? Yeah, there's no question that Robinson saw a, a small dip in success rate versus man and zone coverage last year. I mean, we're but we're talking about a guy in 2019 and 2020 that was consistently in the top three to five in success rate versus man coverage. So he took a dip from elite numbers to like good or you know great numbers last year um and look like i said earlier with darno mooney stuff like this bears offense was just totally broken um i think there was a lot of like push and pull mostly push uh between like fields and robinson i mean you know the guys were like in the bag for justin fields want you to think like alan robinson was terrible last year but i mean i completely disagree with that i think the inverse of that relationship was way worse um and obviously there was just you know some stupid stuff going on with the coaching staff i mentioned like darno mooney's route chart last year it's the same with alan robinson like too much short stuff like it was just it was a totally broken environment i think there were like the bridge was burned before robinson even left chicago um but Robinson, I think, was still good as an individual player last year. You know, I think he still has it, basically, is like my my pitch there. Um, and here's the thing, like, I, I would love for you to trust reception perception. I would love for you to trust, like, my evaluation of, of these players. But, like, John, I'm willing to also trust the Rams. Like, the Rams have not messed up, like, and I think people don't give this enough credit. Like, the Rams have not messed up a like pro evaluation on a wide receiver at this point like people clown them for the robert woods edition woods was a great player 
you know, people weren't uh, willing to accept that Beckham still had a lot of juice left, even though reception perception definitely told you he did. Uh, like, and he was great down the stretch. Brandon Cooks, obviously, like it, they eventually traded him. Uh, he had injury issues, but he was like the missing piece that this offense needed in 2018 when they went to the freaking Super Bowl. So, like, I'm willing to, uh, like, I trust myself. I trust reception perception, but I'm also willing to trust the Rams because, like, they haven't messed this stuff up with wide receivers and their pro uh, evaluations at this point. Yeah, and Robinson stepping into just a great situation. His numbers slipped a little bit. He's twenty seventh in your in the one number rankings, but still has enough juice, I think. Uh, especially with now with that quarterback upgrade, uh, it's just going to be a lot more consistent role for him, which is what he's looking for. So I'm happy for Allen Robinson. He's going one spot after Jerry Judy, which we'll talk about the Denver situation a little bit later. But I can't understand why Jerry Judy is going ahead of Allen Robinson. Um, so let's talk about the 2021 rookies, and I'm just going to kind of go over where they landed uh, in, in the one-number rankings, and then we're going to talk about some specific guys. This first one, Elijah Moore, you loved him coming out of college. He really flashed last year in spots, got injured, had some weird quarterback play, but towards the end of the year, uh, he did. I think he got 20 targets in the last two games with Zach Wilson, so I'm not really worried about you know Wilson to Moore type stuff. And uh, the addition of Garrett Wilson. So we're going to talk about that in the Wilson section a little bit later. But uh, Devonta Smith, was you liked him as well, 13th, and he finished really well as a rookie, 13th. And then the first guy I wanted to get your, pick your brain about is Rashad Bateman. I know you're high on him. Um, I want to give you the, uh, I guess it's the naysayer case or the bear case for him, and it's the, it's about the Ravens' uh, passing attack. So the, the Ravens attempted 611 passes last year, 35.9 per game, after attempting 25 0.4 passes per game in 2020, 27.5 uh, per game in 2019. They want to get back to the running game, according to the beat writers and everything. So how far back they go is going to drive, I think. It's going to really determine Bateman's upside. Uh, because if you look at their top two targets each year, it was Marquise, uh, Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews. They combined to average 11.6 targets per game in 2019, only 12.5 targets per game in 2020. And then that jumped to 18.1 last year so if they go back to 11 to 12 targets for those top two guys then i think we're in trouble one of the either andrews or bateman is not going to live up to their adp if they're in the 15 to 16 range i think they both can perform i don't know that they're going to be more than that though with this uh with this run heavy game plan yeah i think um it's difficult, obviously, with uh, with the Ravens passing offense. We know that. I don't know that they're going to go back to like the complete Stone Ages with their rushing attack, like especially because like the main argument that they're going to get back to it is well, their running backs are healthy, but like their running backs aren't healthy right now. Like you know, J.K. Dobbins is 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 kind of like could be on the PUP list to start training camp. Like uh, so, we're gonna we could be looking at like a Mike Davis is getting the most carries uh, in the preseason <laughs> or week one or something. Like we know how that went for the Falcons last year. You know, like they could be. There's a scenario where that that is that is the case. Now, I personally think there's enough because when you look at the the volume that I think Mark Andrews and and uh, Rashad Bateman will own there in this offense, like the drop off from those two guys is so extreme. I mean, Devin Duvernay is like a nice special teams player and you know pretty interesting, but you know he's he's not like a target commander at this point neither is Tylen Wallace is an interesting player too I think doesn't get brought up enough in this equation but you know I'm not like there's a pretty as much as um Sammy Watkins has been a disappointment there's a steep drop off between like Sammy Watkins and those guys right so I think that there's enough volume here that if 
Bateman and um, Mark Andrews combined for like 40 plus percent of the team targets or 45 percent of the team targets, which I think is totally within the range of outcomes. You know, playing with an efficient quarterback like like Lamar Jackson has been an efficient passer when he's been, you know, at his best. And I think this could be one of his best seasons. Like everything is set up really well, I think, for Lamar Jackson this year. Um playing for a contract like I, I think that there's enough efficiency and enough like volume for Bateman to get there um you know if he was and I just think he's a great player you know I think he's a, he is a great player that uh the Ravens are betting on like they've made a huge bet on Rashad Bateman and I'm, I'm with them on that bet yeah you'd like to see if for him for him to really break out you'd love to see the touchdowns for Lamar Jackson to get back above 30 I think he had 36 uh when he broke out uh, 2019, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly. But if you can get 30 pass attempts per game, and they're getting, I was gonna, I was gonna throw out 50% uh, combined, uh, so 25 each or something like that. I think that's even doable. Then they're getting 15 targets a piece, and that's that's certainly doable for both players to be the you know fantasy starters. Um, okay, moving on to Jamar Chase. He was 16th in the one number rankings, and then I want to ask you about Rondell Moore. And this is, I think I figured out why he's popping in the, in the one number yeah. rankings. It's because he never saw any man coverage, right? So he was, <laughs> he saw only zone. Oh, John, he didn't, he didn't play wide receiver last year. That's, that's why he, he like, I saw that too. I was like, geez, that's a, that's aggressive for Rondell Moore. But yeah, I mean, he, the guy didn't even really play wide receiver last year. So, and then I went to read your write up and that's basically what you said. He was playing something, but it wasn't really quite receiver. So I guess the question is, you know, he did well, he did well against zone, you know, for what it's worth in, in the charting, uh, didn't really run anything against man. He was running, running out of the backfield a lot, which is, you know, unusual. Um, this year, Christian Kirk is gone. The slot slot snaps are open. And the, to start the season, no DeAndre Hopkins for the first six games. Do you think Rondell Moore is capable of getting off to a pretty hot start here in three wide receiver sets with, what, uh, Marquise Brown and A.J. Green? I, I really have no idea, dude, what to do with, with Rondell Moore. Um, just a couple nuggets from his reception perception profile. Like, I called it the weirdest profile I've ever written, and I think it's like it's far and away the weirdest Rondell Moore ran a screen on 29.9% of his sampled routes. That's the most in RP history by a lot. Like the previous high mark, I think was Debo Samuel in his like injury wreck 2020 season at 18%. Um, you know, that's still like the, uh, the next highest guy besides Debo, who I think you could kind of throw out, throw out cause they had him in a weird role cause he was hurt. It's like 14% by our guy, Albert Wilson. That's like almost a fifteen a fifty percent drop off from what Moore did in twenty twenty one. He faced zone coverage, like you said, on eighty nine percent eighty nine percent of his sampled routes. Like Cooper Cup's the only other guy that ever gets above like seventy percent. So that's a crazy outlier. Like he lined up in the slot on sixty six point five percent of his sampled snaps in the backfield on eighteen percent. That's the highest ever in reception perception history. Like. Like I said, I just I, ADB just wasn't playing wide receiver last year, so I have, really have no idea what to do with him. Like, I think he's got some skills to be like a pop gun slot receiver type of guy, but like I think that that is it. Like he has to play in that role, and you know Marquise Brown I think would be great as like the Christian Kirk vertical slot receiver replacement. Um, I just don't, and, and the Cardinals I don't trust them to be creative or static with player or like creative with players usage because they're so static. Like. Even when DeAndre Hopkins gets hurt last year, 
they don't move like AJ Green to DeAndre Hopkins position. They just drop this guy like Antoine Wesley and do like run the exact same offense. And it's just that's why I think that's part of the reason why their numbers are so steep in terms of the drop off when Hopkins leaves the field for Kyler Murray. So I don't I mean, John, I just have no idea. Like I I, I don't know what to do with Rondo Moore. Like I think he's got some skills. He's good after the catch. Um, but I mean, just a such a strange role last year. Um, and I don't know if they like, I don't know if they expand him beyond that. I don't know if he can expand beyond that. Um, and I, I, like I said, I think he needs to play in the slot, but I'd almost rather see Marquise Brown, who's a great zone beater and kind of an underrated player. I think he gets too much hate for being like the size of a middle schooler. Um, he, he should be like the Christian Kirk replacement, I think more so than Rondell Moore should be. That's going to be the interesting thing. And three wide receivers, they, they run a lot of four wide receiver sets, I believe, but you know, three wide receiver sets is, is Rondale Moore or AJ Green going to be on the field once DeAndre Hopkins comes back? Like that's like, that's the question, long-term value of Rondale Moore. Can they, they, they're talking about doing more with him and having him do more, like just having him to be a bigger part of the offense. And Cliff Kingsbury is talking about it like openly, but I, you know, it's interesting. And I want to, well, maybe I'll hit you up in Twitter uh, in the DMS to talk about why he popped it at 18th. So like, I think I figured it out with the, with the way I do my numbers. So uh, Jalen Waddle was 29th, which was a little bit disappointing, but he, you know, he had a really good rookie season. I was all over him. Thanks to your uh, college scouting, uh, your college charting of his, of his college tape. Uh, he really did well in your, uh, in those numbers and uh, was landing in a pretty good spot in Miami in terms of role. Uh, so I was telling, I was tweeting out the, the, the penguin gifts left and right and telling all my subscribers to, uh, to draft him, everybody. I got a lot of thank yous afterwards. So thank you to you, Matt. Uh, I'm on Ross St. Brown came in at 33rd, Nico Collins, 39th. Kadarius Tony is the next player I want to talk about going to a little bit of depth with because he was, uh, he's the wide receiver 42 ADP. So it's climbing and they're talking about him being the favorite to start opposite, uh, Kenny Galladay outside. Uh, he was 47th in your in the one number rankings, and I'm w- like his numbers were a little higher than I expected based on your college numbers. You know, you're, you're charting for him in, in, in the college tape. Um, but he, was he a pleasant surprise for you at all, or are you just kind of where you were with him when he came out? I'm. De- I definitely would say he was a pleasant surprise because, like, I, I think the way he, like his success rate versus zone coverage is pretty good. Like 80% uh, his success rate versus zone pretty good. But like, I was not surprised at all to see like his success rate versus man and press numbers are terrible. And I, I think like he is still really, really, really raw as an outside route runner. Like, I, I mean, and look like the fact that, the fact that they're going to line him up outside, I don't think means like he's going to like he's not going to be their ex receiver. Like Kenny Galladay is going to run in that in that um, in that position. By the way, Kenny Galladay terrible last year. And I, like I was I was kind of like my opinion on Kadarius Tony from a fantasy perspective was going to depend a lot on how Kenny Galladay played last year in reception perception. Like now I'm willing to be like okay, Kadarius Tony, why is he 42? That's fine. Like go ahead, go ahead and take him there because like I'm not I have my faith is like so burned on Kenny Galladay at this point after how poorly he played last year um I think there are players of this archetype you know these guys that don't beat um man coverage at a high rate but beat zone coverage at a high rate like there's guys like that that have succeeded over the last few years like typically you would prefer they line up in the slot a ton and that's kind of the question with Kadarius Tony is like how often is he gonna line up inside but um 
I'm not all – I think the fact that he's going wide receiver 42, like I'm comfortable with that, but like I don't want to get too aggressive with him because I think it's still an outstanding question, like how good is he? I think he is still extremely raw as a technician. Um, and like I'm I'm excited as, as anybody that Brian Dayball is going to bump like the pace and, you know, the – like the – he's going to bring this offense into the damn modern era, right? Like they're, they're the jump from – even if Brian Dayball is not a great head coach, like – just going from the way he's going to play offense to the way Jason Garrett was playing offense is a huge upgrade, but the giants could still be awful as an offense. Like they have a lot of names, but I'm not sure how much game they've got. And I think Kadarius Tony at this point does kind of, kind of fit into that, that, that model. Like he's a really exciting player in the open field. Great after the catch and, and a better zone beater than I think expected. But I think there's still questions about how good he can be. Yeah. I think the question we have is, is I mean, at least you can tell yourself a story about Brian Dable creating a role for him where he's going to be able to thrive and they can get him the ball where he does thrive. Uh, it is a little alarming that maybe they're wanting to play him outside. I don't know. That, that, that scares me a little bit, but it sounds like he's going to play a lot. So that's good if he's on the field. But I mean, Debo, uh, Debo Samuel plays outside and like, I think that Debo's a much, much better player than Kadarius Tony is. Like he's a better man coverage beater than Kadarius Tony is. But like there are still ways to design touches for a guy like this, even if they are playing outside. Like I don't think he has to play in the slot, but he needs to be in a specific, a hyper specific role. I think still in my opinion, like he's not ready to go, go out there and be like even a, a starting flanker that you just let win, you know, on his own. Like I think he still needs some, some things designed for him. A couple of advanced stats for uh, Rondell Moore uh, and Tony. Uh, Moore was 17th out of 105 eligible receivers in targets per route run. So when he was on the field, they were looking for him. Tony was actually fifth in targets per route run last year and 11th in yards per route run. So pretty efficient when he was on the field, Kadarius Tony. So I want to briefly ask you about Terrace uh, Marshall. Uh, 50 finished dead last in the one number rankings, 55th. And I, I, I looked at the nine-player rookie sample for 2021 with the coming out of college, uh, your scores for those players, and compared them to the scores as rookies. And the average uh, success rates line up about 0.13 R squared, which is not great. However, when you remove Terrace Marshall, that jumps to 0.65. So it just shows you one, <laughs> one miss. I guess miss. I don't know. I'm going to ask you about that right now, but it, it was a small sample. It's nine players. So you remove one, you know, with a lot of uh, variance and it, it jumps, but 0.65 is pretty impressive. So when you look back at your charting for Marshall, uh, this is a process question. Do you think you missed anything with him or was, was his route running just fall, did it just fall off as a rookie so badly that it, it, it just was a real big surprise for you? I think that, well, yeah, I mean, he was awful last year. Like you mentioned, <laughs> it's really, really, really bad. Um, I think when you pick Terrace Marshall's um, like prospect data apart, there are some concerns. Like you mentioned though, his success rate versus his success rate versus man coverage number is pretty good. 74%. That was fourth best among the guys that were sampled from last year's draft class. Now his success rate versus zone coverage number was, was not very good. Um, that was down, I believe, at the 31st percentile. So there was a gap there. Like he was not a very – and then when you look at his route success rate chart, the only routes that are above the average are slant, flat, screen, and nine route. And they are very high uh, above the average, but then everything else is red. Everything else is bad. And I think that's the thing. Like 
and because I was I was excited about Terrace Marshall coming into the NFL. I was excited about him last year potentially holding a pretty good role. But like I, I'm worried now at this point, like Baker Mayfield favorite, you know, and my longtime favorite too. Richard Higgins Richard might beat Higgins, him out to be yeah. the slot receiver, you know, in this in this offense. So um I wish I had picked apart his because like, yeah, that raw success rate number, that raw success rate versus press and man number looks pretty good. But when you actually kind of pick it apart, like he ran slant routes well, he ran flat flat routes well, and pretty much like nothing else very well. I just wanted, I just was wondering if he had changed anything or learned anything from that uh, charting. Uh, it's just a that was a weird deal because he was the one guy that stood out from that class that really fell off. Yeah, in terms of the one your he is versus- he is the one I think the one the biggest surprise from last year among among rookies was how how bad um Terrace Marshall played I was very like I mean he's basically he's like Jalen Rager-esque in reception perception and like that's not what you want to hear that's not yeah that's not good all right so we have to talk about Gabriel Davis because that has taken over Twitter sphere uh people that are on him people that are off of him and I just want to talk about him a little bit and I'm really interested to hear your take on him he finished 43rd in the 55 55 player sample in terms of one uh number rankings he was 50 of 54th last year so it was a slight improvement uh, his contested catch rate is great, 83.3%, tied for fifth highest in the sample. And we've talked about this in the past where if you can't get open consistently, you better be able to contest, you know, catch those contested balls, and he is able to do that. Uh, we've seen players like him produce before, uh, Mike Williams, Devontae Parker, Corey Davis. Going back even further, Des Bryant, Jordy Nelson, Marvin Jones, Alshon Jeffrey, Kenny Galladay. And if you really want to be generous to the route running, maybe A.J. Green or Mike Evans. I think that's being too generous, though. Anyway. The question, the question is, uh, you know, he's, his ADP is wide, wide receiver 20. I think that's kind of out of control. Um, I don't think that it's going to be wide receiver 20 in your home draft with your, your league mates and stuff because, you know, for the, for the average draft. Because right now it's just a lot of hardcore people drafting. We're all getting fired up about the same splits, and they're, they're just deciding to pull the trigger. Maybe they're trying to do a Josh Allen stack. And they're pulling the trigger early on some of these guys. I think he's going to end up landing in the in the you know twenty five to thirty range, and I think it's more palatable. But here's my pitch, and then you tell me what you think of him. Fourteen career games where he played seventy uh, percent of the snaps, so he's been a limited slap, snap guy. But in fourteen games where he's played seventy percent or more, which I consider sort of starter numbers, including the postseason, he's averaged two point six catches on six point two targets for fifty eight yards and 0.79 touchdowns. Now those touchdowns are very, very, very important. That's that's where he's driving most of his fantasy value. That's a sixty one catch, nine hundred ninety one yard. 13.4 touchdown pace. His yards per route run last year, including the postseason, was 2.03. It was 13th amongst receivers. Uh, and when the playoffs are included, he saw the 12th most red zone targets, 34 in the league over the last two seasons. So this is a part-time player that has seen the 12th most red zone targets, and that's why those touchdowns are so high. So Josh Allen does love to throw to him in the red zone. We saw it against Kansas City, obviously, with the four touchdowns. But to me... It's, we talked about trusting the Rams uh, in their anal- analysis. I think you have to trust the Bills. I don't know that they have the same track record, but the team is promoting him from wide receiver four to wide receiver two on their own team in one year. They got rid of Coles Beasley. They got rid of Emmanuel Sanders. And now Davis is going to be starting opposite Stephon Diggs. He's attached to the best quarterback and you know fantasy quarterback in the league. The passing game is amazing. The Bills obviously believe in him. Do you want to tell me why I'm wrong or tell me why I'm right? 
I listen. I do not <laughs> want to be out here. Like I, there's so much going in Gabe Davis's favor. That it's gonna be really hard for him to fail in this situation. And I don't think he's so bad that he's like. Yeah, I, I, there are people that like because I, I I have you know like the columns on Tweet Deck when people mention reception perception or you know this, this stuff like. I don't think he's so bad that like that he can fail in this role. Basically, like I mean, he's a thirty. Like you mentioned, took some good steps between year one and year two. That was good to see. You want to see that? Like he's like a thirty third percentile success rate versus man coverage player. Thirty six percentile success rate versus press. Like that's not great, but it's not like oh my God, they're about to put Terrace Marshall as the number two or Jalen Rager or Devin Funches or Marquise Lee. Like some of these really bad players in, in reception perception over the years. Like they're not about to put that guy in there. I think you brought up the name Devonte Parker. Um, that's a really good player comparison. I think for Gabe Davis, like not a natural separator, not like the stone worst separator in the NFL. Like some of those guys I just mentioned earlier, but like a guy who can win contested catches who can rip it deep. Like that's one thing that Gabe Davis like can absolutely do. Like he, even in his rookie year and even last year too, in reception perception ran a ton of nine routes and gets open. Like he can get open downfield. He can burn. He can make big plays. The contested catch stuff helps. Like Devontae Parker, I think at his best, absolute best was an average NFL starting receiver. Like I think Gabe Davis could be an average NFL starting receiver. And like, if we're taking the best version of Devonte Parker and putting him as the number two receiver of the bills offense. Like we're, we're excited about that. Like maybe what not wide receiver 20 excited. I agree with you. Like I want to see where he lands when the normal people draft. And, and I'm, if you're out there, you're not in your drafting right now, you're not normal. And we love you for not being normal. That's you're okay. Keeping, you're, you're keeping the lights on at four for four and at receptionperception.com. So thank you for not being normal. We appreciate you. Um, but yeah, when, when other people draft in like, August and, and September and stuff, I bet you he falls more like wide, like his consensus fantasy pros rank or, or fantasy pros ADP is like wide receiver 30. I bet he comes in around that. And I'm totally fine with that. Like, I don't want to be out there as a full fade on Gabe Davis because he's just a potentially average player. Like this is a great situation. And you mentioned it. Like they let Emmanuel Sanders go and they didn't replace him. They replaced Cole Beasley with Jamison Crowder, you know, but they did not like, and I, I would look, I'd be, I wouldn't be shocked, John, if like Jamison Crowder, you know, catches just shy of the same amount of passes as Gabe Davis, but Gabe Davis is going to score a lot more touchdowns. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm not all the way out on Gabe Davis. I think like, I, I think that where his best ball ADP is crazy, but um, I get it. So I think you answered that correctly. I'm going to give you a point for that one, but I think that that's definitely you. the, definitely <laughs> the ADP um, like he's going ahead of Deontay Johnson right now. And I can't, I can't take that. Um, but as you mentioned later on in the summer, let's see where he lands. And I'll be really interested to see like his ESPN ADP and his Yahoo ADP and uh, like where, where he's landing with the norms, as you mentioned. So uh, let's talk about the rookies because you did, you did study these guys and we we're, we're looking for, for breakout players. These are guys that could come into the league straight away and produce. And I think the guy that has the most favorable role stepping in, in terms of his floor for targets is Drake London uh, playing in Atlanta. They lost Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage. It's just him and Kyle Pitts. Basically. I, I feel like his floor is 120 targets and that might be conservative. Is he good enough? And I think he did pretty well in your charting, but is he good enough to take advantage of that and maybe post a, a wide receiver two type season? 
Yeah, I really like Drake London. Um, I, I, I'm a big fan. Uh, I think he like the arguments that he couldn't separate were were kind of nuts to me. Like he was number four in success rate versus zone coverage, pretty solid success rate versus man as well. Um, I think he's gonna really run in a high percentage role there in Atlanta. I can't wait to see what they do with like Kyle Pitts and Drake London because like Kyle Pitts played a bunch of X receiver last year. Like there's a chance like he takes more outside snaps than Drake London does, and that's really exciting potentially. Like. I'm not trying to get too, too excited about this Falcons offense because it's going to be run by like Marcus Mariota and and potentially a third round rookie and Desmond Ritter. But the target projection is really nice for Drake London, and I'll be willing to draft him at reasonable spots just because I think good player and obviously great opportunity. Yeah, he's going wide receiver 37 right now. And I just, you know, I, I never thought I'd say this, but imagine if Matt Ryan was a quarterback there, like how high we'd oh be dude yeah we'd line. be we'd be sky high on on like drake london um but yeah i think he runs the type of routes like he, you look at his route tree it's really like slants curls like flat routes stuff like that like he runs a lot of high percentage routes for a big guy he's just so fluid um but he can make plays down the field as well can get open on nine routes and win contested catches yeah i like it given the where he's going uh, i think i like him at value uh chris olave was a player that i was really hoping the packers would go and get uh especially after reading your write-up on him. You called him. You should have known better. You should have known better to get your hopes up. Well, you know, everybody's reading reception perception uh, in the NFL, so (laughs) this is why. Uh, The best route runner and separator in the class, he called them, and he said it's not even really close. Uh, Olave is interesting for a couple of reasons, but one is, you know, he's got Jameis Winston, which we've seen him support good fantasy receivers in the past. I think he still has it. He's playing in the Dome. I want to see that 4.39 speed in the Dome. And we don't know about Michael Thomas. So if Michael Thomas, if anybody's fading Michael Thomas, they should be all over Olave, don't you think? I mean, Jarvis Landry, we know he's going to – that kind of threw me for a little bit because you know he's going to see the 67 targets. He just does. He soaks them up. Uh, but but he's not he's not your you know he's not your traditional wide receiver one that's going to come in and totally change the, the, how, the, how the targets are distributed in an offense. I think Olave has a lot of upside, but it sort of depends on what sort of Michael Thomas we get. Yes, I agree with you, um, but I think he's got a pretty decent floor, even if Michael Thomas like, – I just don't think that Michael Thomas is going to come in there and own the same target share in the offense that he did with Drew Brees. Um, and I'm a, I'm a Michael Thomas believer, um, but it's been like two years since we've seen the guy play. So, you know, there's – and a lot has changed in the Saints since he was last playing at his peak ability. Um, Like, I don't think Michael Thomas is slant boy or anything like that. Like, I think he was a legit – awesome number one receiver but it's just been a long time um i i think that even if michael thomas plays i think chris olave has a a pretty good floor and i think he's got a really great ceiling if michael thomas misses time like you mentioned um chris olave is ready to play in the nfl he was number one in success rate versus man number one against press and number five against zone coverage among the guys sampled last year like i don't think it was close in terms of how technically refined he is as a player and he's super explosive like he wins downfield he wins in contested situations it's just like it's a natural one-to-one fit there with him and Jameis winston and i think like i'm projecting the saints to be more pass heavy than they were with Jameis last year because Alec Maris, but if he's suspended, like, you know, they ain't running like Mark Ingram and Tony Jones like 30 times a game or something like that. Like, I think they'll be they'll be relatively more aggressive with Jameis than they were last year with Sean Payton there and, and obviously Alvin Kamara doing his whole thing. So I'm I'm really high on Olave. I, I think I'm gonna be I'm gonna rank him much higher than consensus. And I, I I want people that use like my rankings to to 
be ready and willing to take him when he when in the range that he goes. It's it's fascinating. And if you hear anything negative on Thomas's ankle again, heading into camp, uh, you just got to pull the trigger on Olave. Uh, and and then Jameis, just on that note, he they did open it up towards the end of the year. His last few starts, they were throwing the ball more than you know. There was a game manager stuff at the start. But they were they were letting him throw a little bit later in the season, so I'm hoping we see that. I think he's a pretty good value at quarterback too, by the way. Uh, Sky Moore, uh, another player I wanted the Packers to try to go and get. Uh, he landed with the Chiefs. He's got Juju, um, Marquez Valdez Scantling, McCole Hardman uh, to compete with, but really charted well at reception perception. Western Michigan product. Uh, so I don't know if the uh, and how you look at this, but the you know quality of competition how that affects your numbers. And if you're cognizant of that, I know it happens with uh, Christian Watson too, as we, we talk about him in a minute, but talk a little bit about Sky Moore, if you would, and maybe what kind of role he could, he could see in this offense. Yeah. So with, let's talk about the level of competition thing first, because this has comes up a lot with Sky Moore and it's come up recently with Jalen Tolbert too, as like, he's been in the news lately. Um, I think with the NFL, like level of competition is flat enough that I don't really care about it. You know, like, if this guy's got a higher success rate versus man than this guy, like I think he's probably a better route runner, right? Like I think he's probably maybe a better player just depending on roles, stuff like that. Um, obviously some corners are better than others. We know that, but like, you know, it's not as if like in the, over the entire sample, one guy's been running against Darrell Revis and one's been running against like bleedy Ray Wilson or whatever that one guy was. that just gets torched all the time. Like it's, it's not that crazy, but in college, obviously it's different. So I, I think that with college, like I'm not, for example, this is what I would not do. I would not go like Sky Moore has a higher success rate versus man coverage than Garrett Wilson. He's better than Garrett Wilson. Or like Jalen Tolbert has a higher success rate versus man coverage than Jahan Dotson. He's, he's better than Jahan Dotson. Like there's a different level of competition there. So I'm not going to necessarily use it to compare within like, like players to players like that, especially across conferences. However, I am totally willing to say like Sky Moore went out there and was number two in success rate versus man coverage, number one in success rate versus zone coverage. Like he was out there against, you know, former grocery or future grocery men and accountants and insurance salesmen or whatever the hell they are and was absolutely kicking their butts, you know? So like, I'm totally okay saying within the individual player profile, like, yeah, for sure. It's the, the scores are really high because he was awesome. Like in that, at that level of competition, he was absolutely outright dominant. Um, and I think Sky Moore is going to be a really good player. Awesome landing spot. Just my question is really just how soon is he going to get ramped up? Like, is he going to be a, a starter from day one? Like I, I, he's better than McCole Hardman. He's definitely better than Marquez Valdez Scantling. Um, like how soon is he going to climb that depth chart? That's, I think the question with Sky Moore long-term though, really, really excited about him. And I think he could be, I think he could be a DJ Moore type of player, like a guy that I'd love to see them do creative stuff, love to see them line him up inside. But if, he, if they line him up outside, I think he can do that too. Yeah, right now, uh, from an ADP standpoint, uh, fantasy managers think it's Juju first, uh, I believe MVS second, yes, Sky Moore third, and then Hardman. People have basically given up on Hardman. But uh, we had a beat writer on that uh, on the podcast that said that, I forget the name, but he said that Hardman was going to be the number one receiver, which I thought was interesting. Um, Garrett Wilson, I promised we'd talk about him, Elijah Moore. So the thing I'm struggling with here with the Jets is – how does Garrett Wilson, very good route runner in terms of your charting, like maybe second to his teammate, <clears throat> perhaps a third. Um, but Wilson and Elijah Moore, Elijah Moore showed so good, so, so well. He played so well last year uh, in spurts, injured, 
but he's going first definitely in the in the 80, as far as ADP. Wilson second. How do you feel? How do you feel like this is going to shake out? I think that those two guys will be clearly one and two. Like I, I think Corey Davis is a nice player, but probably like just a guy, like a really solid, nice third receiver. Um, good to have around, but I don't think he is going to be a big needle mover in my projections for, for Elijah Moore specifically, maybe Garrett Wilson. Like that's going to be the question. Just how fast is Garrett Wilson going to be ramped up? I think I'm going to be heavy on Elijah Moore this year and just like kind of, just kind of hold my nose with the whole Zach Wilson thing. Um, like if Zach Wilson's good, I think Elijah Moore is going to be good this year. Cause I think he's going to be the best receiver on the roster this season. Um, I'll project him to lead the team in, in catches yards, et cetera. Um, and I just love the talent, man. He's so, he's so good. Elijah Moore is so good. Um, if Zach Wilson's good, I think Elijah Moore will be good. But if Zach Wilson, even if he's like passable, I think one of these guys, Garrett Wilson uh, or Elijah Moore is going to beat their ADP. Um, I think I'll probably be heavy on Elijah Moore to be the one to do that. The question is like, if he stinks, man, if Zach Wilson's bad again, this could go south in a hurry. Cause not only like, you know, could he tank Elijah Moore? Like there's a lot of good players on this offense. Like they invested in tight end. They invested in the receiver room with Garrett Wilson. Like they brought back Bra Braxton Berrios. Who's like best buddies with Zach Wilson. They like wear t-shirts with each other's names. Um, they obviously drafted another running back too. Like there's a lot of touches to dole out in this offense. It's a tough, it's a tough unit to project if Zach Wilson truly is bad. Yeah, and that offensive line's better. So there, everything's in place for Zach Wilson. So if he can produce, then we might see multiple fantasy players out of this offense. And I think Barrios, you mentioned him. He's going to be the thorn in the side of these guys throughout the season. He's going to he's a guy that gets oh, on yeah. the field and like gets six, six or seven targets, and everybody's wondering why he's out targeting, uh, you know, Elijah Moore or somebody. So uh, we shall see. I'm going to jump ahead. Christian Watson. Uh, you just think he's a, a direct replacement for MVS as, as a rookie? Is he that? first of all, and then is there more available as a rookie possibly? Tough evaluation. Um, I had, I wrote him up in the like uh, rookie roundup, which basically was the guys that I wasn't able to get like filmed to get a full sample on stuff like that. Um, but you know, certainly a, a guy that has uh, some potential to be a burner. Uh, I do think like he's a good replacement for MVS this year. Um, and then what comes beyond that? I really, honestly, I I'm, I'm not uh, that optimistic. Uh, but I do think that he can be like a burner for sure this year. Uh, what, do, what is go, what's going to happen in the Green Bay receiver core? You you tell me. Yeah, we're looking at. I, I think this might be a year where everybody's under 800 yards receiving, but there's like totally see that four of four of them in the 500 to 800 yard range. You know, Sammy Watkins does well and he gets hurt. Randall Cobb does well for a while and he gets hurt. Uh, and then, you know, maybe Watson, six or 700 yards. If he's, if he's lucky, it's a good year, I think. And Tanyan, you know, Aaron Jones, I think Aaron Jones is the, and Aaron Rodgers are the two, are the two that you really want. I mean, AJ Dillon too, I think, but you know, I, I think that right now I'm just waiting for some good news out of camp, uh, for, for these guys to kind of figure out what the pecking order is because it's really up in the air. So that's, that's waiting what I'm, for, that's what waiting for Aaron Rodgers to just acknowledge Christian Watson, like say his name, you know, like, uh, when you, he gets asked about say the his name. Think, like, like, well, yeah, like he gets asked about the receivers. He goes through everybody on the roster, like, uh, and, and finally gets to Christian Watson. So, so once he yeah. says his name, you know, uh, yeah, all right, know. let's talk about, the, let's talk about Denver. We've got a few minutes left to wrap that, wrap this up, but let's talk about the Denver conundrum, uh, Cortland Sutton, uh, he's wide receiver 17 right now. Uh, he had 776 yards receiving last year. 
on 98 targets. Uh, he's he was 48th in the one number ranking, so he's not he's not like your traditional great route runner, but he can win down you know contested catches, and he's you know he's good. He's like the archetype we were talking about. Uh, maybe not a technician, but can still be effective. Jerry Judy, wide receiver, 22. Uh, he was 26th in the one number rankings. My issue with him, and I'll let you talk about these two and maybe Tim Patrick, but. Jerry Judy's snap percentages just aren't there. 65% last year. It's a new regime, so they may change everything around and force Judy onto the field, but I don't know who to – I mean, I don't like these ADPs for any of these guys. I'm with you. Don't like the ADPs for any of them. Um, and I don't – I go back and forth on what to do about this situation, honestly. Like, Corlin Sutton, by the way, I will say this about his season last year. In 2019, 68.5% success rate versus man coverage, 69 Uh, 0.1% versus press like those are pretty good numbers huge fall off uh, last year like you mentioned 60% success rate versus man not what you want to see but I have noticed and I'm going to put an article on the site about this so people can subscribe and, and look forward to this is like we've noticed over the history of reception perception that guys that come off their their first year coming off an ACL typically see a decrease in their success rate versus man numbers. Um, you know, Allen Robinson's an example. It took a while for him to get back to peak form after an ACL tear. There's a couple of other examples in there. So stay tuned for that. I think that that and the fact that Jerry Judy played with a high ankle sprain last year, I'm willing to kind of throw their 2021 results in the trash. But neither one of these guys was that good in reception perception last year. Like neither one of these guys played that well. Um, on an individual basis when you isolate them from their quarterback play, which we all know their quarterback play stunk. So I think it's kind of a toss-up between these two guys. I'm with you, though, that I think the key is figuring out how often is Jerry Judy going to be on the field because Jerry Judy's rookie season was really good. Well, not really good, but pretty promising in reception perception and did see some increase on like his vertical route success rate, his zone route success rate last year. I'm not all out on Jerry Judy, basically. I'm not all in, but I'm not all out. Um, What I want them to do is to play Cortland Sun at X receiver, Jerry Judy at flanker, and make Tim Patrick their big slot. I think Tim Patrick's probably just a guy, but I think he profiles really well in this offense. Like They want that power slot element, like an extra juice as a blocker, kind of like an Alan Lazard type of player. Um, I think Tim Patrick would profile really well with that, but like the old regime pigeonholed Jerry Judy as like a slot receiver because he's small and they were – you know, dumb. Uh, so I, I that's kind of what I want to see, but I, I don't, I'm with you that I don't at, at those prices at those ADPs, I'm not interested in drafting either. All right. Last question. We have to wrap it up. Uh, but I had to ask you about this. I think actually, by the way, Tim Patrick might, I do like his ADP. That's the one player of the trio that I like because he's going so late. I have to talk to you about this. So real briefly, one minute, Tyler Lockett, he's going wide receiver 47. Please respond. You got it. I mean, he's too good. You have to draft him. Like I'm. You have I'm, to draft have him. To draft, you have to. Draft I don't care. Him there. He's I, I, I don't care who the quarterback is. He's too good. He's finished I wide mean, receiver 13, 13 wide the, receiver thirteen, wide receiver eighteen. He's the forty seventh player off the board. He was awesome in, in RP last year. Still, he's best deep ball tracker in the NFL, and he's gonna need. He's gonna need it <laughs> with Drew Locke throwing a throwing deep Plan, balls. Yes, there, so. or or Geno Smith. We I think Geno Smith actually ahead in that in that deal. So, uh, target. Tyler Lockett, pick 80, 98 in best ball. Uh, thank you so much, Matt, for your time. We got to go. Sal's got another thing he's got to produce. So I appreciate you being here. Make sure you look uh, for, for Matt at, at uh, Reception Perception. You can find him on Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. Uh, and see you next time on uh, the Most Accurate Podcast.